0: Well, let's start with the third-step prayer, and we have it on the wall over here. Uh, God, 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 I, I offer myself, myself to thee, to, to, to build with
1: me, and to do with me as I wilt. have the
2: bondage of self, that I am.
1: take away my difficulties, that I bring
2: over them, and bear witness
1: by my power, by love,
2: by life. I
0: you, will Amen. Okay, well, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Daryl, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hey, Hi, Daryl. Uh, Kathy Kay from Hacienda Heights uh, started this uh, this event back in 1984. I spoke to her this morning, and then uh, when she retired, Connie picked it up, for, and and, and had been doing it for probably for the last ten years at least. Uh, but it but the first one. Was in 1984, and uh, uh, and that uh, and that one uh, we had uh, the twelve. I wasn't at that one. I I came into the program in 87, uh, but uh, she said she told me that they had the twelve presenters at, at the table uh, in front. And they they only had a couple of people in the audience. And so she said, as the years went by, more and more people heard about it and started coming. So that it turned out to be a pretty pretty good size event. Um, I uh, my first uh, uh, exposure to it was in 1987 Christmas of uh, 1987. And so having it in December was actually. Uh, uh, one of the things that the, in the early days, at least uh, uh, later on, it, it was more sporadic in different locations and such. But anyway, so the uh, uh, the uh, I, I brought the uh, my copy of the uh, the big book, or the reproduction of the big book, and that's the thing that started it all. So the big book was published in 1939, and so then we all we, we all got our, our our exposure to the twelve steps. Uh, through that book, and uh, all of us. It doesn't matter which program we're from. We have a relationship with that book and those original twelve steps, and uh, and I and 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 what a blessing! And just uh, such a blessing that uh, that God came to us uh, and revealed this program through the the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. So uh, the tradition here is we always start off. Uh, our panel with uh, with an, uh, someone from AA, and we end with the 12 step with someone from AA, and, uh, and and that's because of the history of the uh, of the 12 steps itself. One of the things we hope you see uh, in this is the power of those 12 steps as it cuts through all of these different programs, all these different addictions, and all of these things are uh, uh, are are put to uh, put in their place. Uh, by these twelve steps, it works on on everything. Uh, it's just just up to us you know, whether we're going to come in and we're going to practice these principles in all our affairs and you know, work these steps. And and if we'll work the steps in our life, we're going to hear we're going to receive recovery. And you'll see a lot of that today as we start. So the uh, if, uh, who has, I, I don't have my uh, my format up here
2: for the first. Uh, let me do my. My place here.
0: Okay, so the first step is we get it right out of the original book. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And we have from Alcoholics Anonymous IVG.
3: My name is Ivy, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi. And my Sprite date is July 2nd, 2005 July, 2nd, 2004. My sponsor is Jerry H. Um, so we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol in our lives, and kind of manageable. That is my story in a nutshell. Started drinking at the age of 12. You know, what I mean, it was it was the thing to do at that time um, in our lives. You know, it was, it was it was it was take it or leave it at that stage when I first started. But as we all know, it's a progressive disease. So as I said, I started drinking at the age of 12, and um, and it became, I want to say probably by the time I was 20, 22, it became an absolute necessity. It was the first thing that I thought about when I woke up in the morning. It was something that I did all day long. Um, it, came pre- it became precedence over everything in my life. Um, I wasn't able to maintain a job. It became precedence over my, um, my children, my household, um, my education. Um, and so I believe um, I was probably about the 20s. So anyway, so from the time I was 12 to the time I turned 39, I got sober when I was 39. By that time, it had depleted me and exhausted me, and I was out of options. Um, so when I was asked to do the first step, the first thing that came to mind was the word powerlessness. And that was my story in a nutshell. From from the time I picked up my first drink to the time I picked up my last drink, every experience that I had um, screamed powerless. It was my foundation of my recovery. Um, I remember doing my first step and I remember that I had to do the writing part. And after going over that um, first step with my sponsor and looking at all the things and all the events that happened in my life, um, it was exactly where I was supposed to be. Um, I I built my foundation on that first step and powerlessness is anytime I tried to pull it off. I just couldn't, you know what I mean? I never knew that I was an alcoholic. I always thought that, you know, this was the way my life was supposed to be. Like, this is just what everybody else is doing until I got the opportunity to work that first step and dig in deep. You know, you know that the principle behind the first step is honesty. And for the first time in my life, I had to dig deep enough to be honest with myself, to be able to digest that whole step in its whole entirety, you know? the second part of that step meant unmanageability. My sponsor told me that that was something that was from the inside. You know, That wasn't not only being able to pay the bill or, or keep the job, but that was about me being dishonest. That was about me not being able to be loyal. That was about me not being able to um, be caring or loving and kind, you know I mean? Those, those kind of things um, were also unmanageability for me. So uh, I, I got sober and I got a sponsor and we went through those steps and, um, my life changed my life changed for the first time I was able to identify with my disease at its level you know like I knew at that point in my recovery when I worked that first step that under no circumstances whatsoever was I ever going to be able to drink safely um I was ever going to be able to defeat alcohol it was um it was my giant you know and then so um it was something that I didn't want to uh, ever have to tangle with, you know, and every time I used to think about drinking, um, I remember, you know, my experiences out there and never once was I ever able to pull it off. I thought I was pulling it off, but once I was able to put all that down on paper, it was real clear that, um, that I was powerless over the alcohol. And once I put one in me, um, like I said, I was defeated. All that's rot, you know, also coupled with that first step is where I found my God um god and um and when i i'm back this up just a little bit i'm really nervous and asking god just to direct my thinking you know i mean it's not about me it's about um the recovery process of this this step in this program and so um my first prayer um prior to me coming to uh recovery was um god please help me i don't want to do this anymore you know, and I came into the rooms and I've seen things like God couldn't, would if you were sought, and things like that start happening in my life and in this process to where I could not, not ignore the writing on the wall. The steps are on the wall. Mm-hmm. I could not ignore those steps. Those steps I went through one through 12, and those steps were designed and tailor made just for me so that I could comprehend and understand each one in its entirety and work them throughout my, my history of my, my program. And they've never failed me. They've never failed me. And uh, they get they get a bit scary, you know. I'm working on them again, and they're scary. Um, but my God is bigger than um, my fear. Mm-hmm. And so today is obviously why I'm able to be up here, you know, and share this with you.
4: Um, time do I have left? You have one minute and two oh, seconds. Perfect. I just want to <laughs> end that with thank God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Thank you for being here. Uh, On Zoom, we have, uh, from Cocaine
2: to Anonymous, we have Allison. She logs on. No, she's not on let me
4: just check. I'm so sorry. Okay. Oh, and you know, meantime while we're talking about this, um, this is this meeting, this this workshop is also being recorded. So if you guys are okay with that, just to okay, good. I was like, oh my god, I didn't ask him first. <laughs> so, but okay, so we don't have Allison here.
5: No, and that's amazing because we do have an amazing backup speaker. Anyone like to do coke? <laughs> <laughs> we do have another. So we're sharing on
6: step two,
0: so we need a volunteer. We have a she substitute.
7: We do have a substitute. Wow. Thank you. You're going
0: to have to introduce
4: yourself. God,
8: you <laughs> Thank okay. you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Risha and I'm a drug
1: addict.
0: Risha,
8: Risha. Talk about nervous, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, step two, came to believe that a power greater than myself restored restore me to sanity. Um, after really realizing that I was powerless, coming here broken, completely lost, confused, didn't know who I was, didn't understand why I kept using, didn't understand that the disease of the nature of the disease centers in my thinking. And then once I put one in, the phenomenon of craving, it's set off, you know, and I have this, this physical allergy that when my head tells me, no, I don't want to go, my body takes me anyway, or the or vice versa. You know, so I'm in constant conflict and battle with myself. So once I finally realize that I'm completely powerless, right, and I get to see the unmanageability, and I have to finally come to this decision that I understand that there's something that has been standing between me this whole time that has kept me safe, that I didn't OD, that I didn't die, that I didn't go to jail, that there was this power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. And sanity that I needed was to understand. Because mm-hmm. I, if I can't accept, I had and to also accept, right? So I had to accept in step one. And once I understood that I was an addict and that I didn't have the power, then I needed to be restored to sanity. And I got to see this God that, you know, when I, and this concept of God that I had was your concept, my aunt's concept, you know, but I needed to find a God of my own understanding. And step two, that was the beginning of the foundation that I began to find this, this power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. And when I started to, to be able to see the clarity, I no longer felt lost and confused and days. I no longer, the, the obsession was like finally really lifting. Like, like it says, in the book, it says that I recoil from it as from, as from a hot flame. Right. And so those kind of things started happening and God started to show me little by little, like how, if I just relinquish myself to him, that he would help me along this path. And so I began to grow and I began to develop, you know, and then of course, you know, steps three and four and all that, like getting into the work and really get getting down to the causes and conditions of what I suffer from. It all happened because I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And it's through that sanity that I've been able to, to live today, you know, without that, without understanding, without accepting that understanding, I couldn't be who I am today. You know, um, a little brief, um, story, you know, I had some, my siblings come over to my house last night thinking that we're all going to have this lumber party that we're going to get together. Things are going to be great, you know, and things didn't go that way, you know, tension rose and they ended up leaving. And, you know, my, my, myself, me, Not my own, you know, not God's will, but my will wants to tell them, don't ever call me again. I'm so done with you, you know, but because of this process, it kicks in and I come to believe that a power can restore me to sanity. I get to trust in this God and I get to ask him, please, what would you have me do? Because right now I'm angry right now. I want to retaliate against them. You know, before I would want to go out and drink and use, you know, I would go and get me one and then this would all be gone. But because I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, I get to live today.
1: Mm.
8: For, for once in my life, I get to breathe. I couldn't breathe before mm. without taking a hit. That was just me. Like, I needed that hit no matter what it was. So thank God for this process. Thank God for you guys. And thank God for you guys putting this on. Thank you. Yes.
1: yes. yes. Okay, so Thank you very much.
0: And uh, step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God that we understood Him. And from Ace, uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics ACA, we have uh, Barnaby.
9: Hi, I'm Barnaby. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Uh, can everyone hear me? Okay. Yes. Way yes. hey, Great. Okay. Fantastic. I'm sorry that I cannot be in Glendora. I am in Studio City. So it was a bit turned into a busy day and I would have loved to have gone out there to see you guys in person. And um, uh, I am a double winner. I'm also sober and um, got to ACA through Al-Anon in my second year. I got sober in 1995. My second year, I was an absolute mess. An adult child slash Al-Anon slash nutcase person (laughs) who could could not, could not uh, stay with you guys unless I addressed uh, core issues in my family, my father's drinking, which killed him, my brother's alcoholism, I drank with him, Um, my brother's mental health, dual diagnosis, he is also, uh, he is sober, he works a program of sorts. We don't really know quite what program he's working, but he's working kind of a program. Um, and It's extremely messy. It's an extremely messy family illness. Um, I actually, uh, in front of this house right now, is the Honda CRV, which belonged to my dead cousin who died of a drugs overdose a month ago, in her own apartment, uh, a pill-popping person who could not find... recovery and we went and cleaned out her apartment family members flew in from the east coast of the United States we had junk kings over there moving the stuff out of her hoarded apartment and Mm -hmm. in the corner of that apartment was a dusty copy of AA's big book living sober and a 12 and 12 under a a bunch of magazines Mm -hmm. and she was six or 10 feet away from recovery mm-hmm. in her own apartment. And, um, you know, an ACA has brought me to the understanding of step i I'm gonna talk to, about step three on, from an ACA point of view, which is that I, uh, just what uh, Risha shared and other people have shared about insanity, the mental insanity. I mean, you know, it, it is, it's an insane uh, disease, obsession, and um, being gripped with it, you know, and you don't even have to be an alcoholic. You can be an ACA, you can be a para-alcoholic, which is the term we use in ACA. And, you know, right now I've got my, uh, my workbooks. So I picked it up because when, they, when you guys called me about this workshop, I, this is my pandemic workbook. So, you know, my sponsee, uh, you know, I said, how are you doing? He says, I'm doing fine. I just started doing a very intensive ACA work- workshop uh, on Zoom where we work, you know, and we're very, very structured and we work all the way through the all steps. And I said to him, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> now, he didn't say, hey, Barnaby, do you want to do this? Hey, Barnaby, you should do this or do you want to join me? But I have learned over the years that God speaks through other people. And also I have a the, the door of willingness. We, you know, there's all this analogy, these different metaphors of keys and doors and locks in the big book. And once you've opened that door of willingness and you've gone through to the other side, you are absolutely in the realm of possibility. You know, what if, what is going to happen now to me? And, you know, I went through, you know, I've been, like all of us, we've been through ups and downs and I've been through a divorce and I've been through this and that and the other, you know, and I I went through what I called my midlife crisis year. Uh, And I ended up leaving the United States and working abroad for a year, trying to figure out what the hell I was gonna do with my life. Nothing was really working the way I thought it was supposed to be working. And at the time I kept reading about change and I was listening to podcasts about change reading books about change, and I'm looking at this, made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God, change. And uh, I was listening to this podcast and the guys told the story and he said, they had to move move a lighthouse and it was up in Canada on the coast. And they had to move it and, and they got this whole engineering team and they asked the engineer, the chief engineer, what's the most difficult thing about moving a lighthouse? He says, it's the first six inches because once you can get the lighthouse off the ground, you can put it anywhere you want. You can put it behind someone's house if you want, but it's, this first, it's the first little incremental change, and that's where I have to really rely on my higher power. I have to say, God, help me to, to work this one little thing. If I could just grasp this one spiritual concept today, and I'm willing to, to do this, And the other thing about change is uh, while I was on that midlife crisis year, I was at a meeting and uh, I was working in Scotland at the time. And this woman was sharing and how about she was trying to get into prayer and meditation. And her husband made fun of her for that because he's a typical Scottish guy Um, and, and he thought she was becoming the Dalai Lama. And she said, "Look, she said, "Look, I'm willing to do things differently. That's my spirituality." And I've never heard anyone sum up the entire program in one sentence. You know, I don't even need to have a concept of a higher power, but if I'm willing to do things differently, if I can get up in the morning and say, "God help me to be willing to, be, to do things differently today." you know can i be open and be willing to do things differently you know and um is that my time
4: yeah
9: but
10: if you want to finish up cuz that's good seven <laughs> minute you're good you're
9: We're in it. okay well um i'm trying to think how i'm going to stick the landing and and how, <laughs> how- <laughs> How am I going to finish this? This perfectly off, but um, you know, I, I just think that you, you know, it is a struggle for new people. It is a struggle. The steps two and three are very hard. And 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 my who called me uh, about this workshop, she said step three was very difficult for her. And and I understand. And and people use the, they use this hand gesture, turn it over, turn it over, and I was like, what are they flipping their hands around for? Um, but I I do I think it's it's a constant. Um, it's a constant letting go and it's a constant sort of acceptance and working towards God's grace. And you can only do it by working the program and being in the program and doing step work because it doesn't, it doesn't just magically appear. I mean, some things are magical, but it's very much like just grinding away and, and trudging the road. So God bless you all. Happy holidays.
0: And then uh, step four. Can you guys hear
4: Daryl on Zoom? Yeah. Okay. Step four. Okay. Can you hear
0: me? Step four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And we have from Debtors Anonymous, both.
11: Hi, everybody. I see some people I know, some people I don't know. I love you all. And I'm sure that when I say that, a lot of people are going, yeah, sure. (laughs)
1: Um,
11: I've learned a lot by having to do the fourth step again while I have a brain injury. So three years ago, I was a passenger in a car, and I'm the wrong size and the wrong shape and the wrong age to get hit by an airbag. And the glasses you see before me are part of my BDA steps. So we'll come back to how you see the world in a bit. But in terms of beta-searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, I'm just going to tell you a little about me and then come back to what I want to reinforce for you. How many minutes do I have? Uh, I didn't time
4: you, but you have six. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you for that, reminding me. Six
11: minutes. Give me four and two. Is
4: that
11: okay? okay so, so I I'm an artist and a business, I'm an educator and I have ADHD that I found out I had because this program helped me go to graduate school and they would have kicked me out a hundred times of graduate school, but somehow I'm stubborn and God would make things appear. So my first moral inventory, I guess, must have started after the program inside of graduate school where I had to keep saying, I hate graduate school. I hate graduate school, but I promised I would make a difference. So I'm going to do this. And so literally laws and rules showed up to uh, allow me to finish even though it was 159 miles away from my home. I didn't lose my apartment. I did get engaged and then unengaged, but I got an A minus in grad school and I graduated. And for the last five years, thank you, everybody, that that was working program Um, for the last five years. uh, Oh, I came back after I went to grad school. I got asked if I would go to Ireland and I had to raise the money to go to Ireland. I came back and that's when I got hit by the airbag. And so because of all of you, I, I have not really stressed or had a heavy duty health problem till now in the sense of, it doesn't mean I don't have uh, like a mild TBI. It means that that the stress is cumulative, just like the mess is cumulative. Like, just like the fear of being out loud and saying that you made mistakes or you hurt people's feelings or you're um, a bitch or a bastard and you blame other people before you look at the finger pointing that way that's pointing back at you. So we're all... We're all very selfish by nature. You know, the first thing you learn in third grade is stay mine, Uh, you know, after you you learn he and she, then you or 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 me, then you learn mine. So we all do that. And we all have a, a, a noise in our head that helps us to not listen to what someone is saying. And then once we think we heard it, to erase it. So on the fourth step, the big thing that I think that I'm learning no one's going to do it the same way twice or three times or four times. It's just willingness, like Barnaby was saying. It's also uh, willingness to be exactly where you are. Because my sponsor is the most patient sponsor in the whole wide world. He's the perfect sponsor for me. And I thought every single week when I screwed up that he was going to throw me out. You know, every single week for the past four years or something this is going to throw me out. It's going to throw me out because time management is hard for an ADHD person, but let alone somebody who doesn't feel well and has to sleep part of the day and not drive and go to doctors that are ignoring me. And so I want to say I have lived in such grace in my fourth step this time.
12: Mm-hmm. And
11: here's what I've learned. I've learned that maybe some of us or maybe all of us had a family of origin and we were children. And just like in Steven time, we listened and we modeled either from an event, a decision or something in our past through multiple layers of our family that we just absorbed like a sponge and it went. And the only way out of that is to become conscious and to stop blaming other people and start having integrity by taking responsibility that, that we choose to have a happy world or we choose to have a suffering world. And that's not even you. It's like Buddhism 101, like uh, happiness and the cause of happiness and suffering and the end of suffering. It all resides here with us. So when you go through that space on step 3 that Barnaby was addressing, the next part you get you have an automatic and it's talking to you all the time and it doesn't really want to listen to your sponsor. It doesn't really want to follow the rules of the steps and when you get to really sitting with that blank piece of paper on the fourth step, it's going to do everything in the world that that means that you blow it. You drop it you hide from it you lose it at the same time your sponsor knows when you're being real and authentic (laughs) and your sponsor's gonna say to you kindness and wonder and a room with a million mansions for you is outside of that i know who i am i'm this no you're not you're your big self maybe pretending to be your small self and how you get there is by facing that white page. And I just want to add a couple of pointers that I found along the way. Um, Two minutes. And they study. Am we had four minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. Here's my t- tie it together. Uh, when you got here, and either someone listened to you or they didn't, and you made up a story, which you'll find out with all those little 133 or 20 pages in the yellow book. You either created space for yourself, a voice for yourself, you got hurt, or you influenced people, or you didn't feel you ever did. I don't know which one is yours. You know, we all have several probably. But I do know that this little self that's been scared to death during my brain injury and having to go to doctors and doctors and doctors, and then having to call the CDC and IHS, or not IHS, um the National Institute of Health and find out that they don't really have a lot of research on brain injury in women yet. Um, I've had to stand up for myself and I've had to call whether I thought I was ready, whether I was late, whether I heard the alarm on my phone to be there and improve. And what that means is you just say how it is. If you can only answer three questions, you tell your sponsor, I made it to that and I sweated on the floor and I cried and I screamed. It's okay. You're wherever you are and wherever you are is perfect. But when you ignore your perfection, that's when we get into trouble. That's when we get really selfish. That's when we get really addictive. So thank God for all of you, because everything here is worked in program with a team. And by becoming part of the universe with other people, we become more whole, more willing to take care of others, more willing to be less egotistical and be of service. So be of service, do your steps. And that's my Add for today.
2: Thanks. Ooh, thank you so much. And now we're on step five
0: admitting to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And on step five, we have Codependence Anonymous, Gail G.
6: Hi, yeah.
13: my name's Gail. And I'm codependent. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, six and two would yes. be helpful. Six yeah. And Four, Four and two. two. Even, Four better. two. <laughs> <laughs> even better. Even <laughs> better. <laughs> I say more than that. I'm lying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my name is Gail. Codependent. I'm a compulsive overeater, addict, alcoholic. You know. Um, I'm gonna try to share what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, a little bit about step five, um, without crying. Yeah. So, so far, yeah, I'm a crier. So, so far to this point, I've heard a lot of awesome things, um, things I needed to hear, a lot of coincidences, a lot of universal signs that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And so I appreciate that. You know, um, my sobriety day is 11 My codependence anonymous date is February 3rd, 09. Um I came to the programs, you know, in 2004, court ordered. Um, it was all his fault, their fault. You know, I had CPS in my house at that time, um, not for my using, but for my yelling and fighting. My chaotic chaotic learned behavior, you know. Um, Compliance was the goal at that time. You know, I was taught real well, real young to tap dance and comply. Like you do what I say, not as I do. And I ended up doing a whole lot of what you did and didn't listen to what you said. Uh, And that got me into a lot of trouble. Um, I was very controlling dominating, my job was to teach you how to act right so that I could feel good about me. And I made it a full-time job. And I, I gravitated and my power pulled a lot of needy codependents that were very willing to comply. And with that, I created a um, lifestyle of chaos. So like um, everybody here, I choose to believe that I was gifted by God this program as an I'm not gifted he gifted me this program and said here yours the lady was talking about the little in me and um that four step she talked about was very important because I had a lot of you 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 them, and days a lot of mommy issues um, for example with the night I was gonna marry my um, my husband who... The first time we moved in together, we were fighting over a broken lamp. Like the flags were there. The first day I met him, his wife at the time came to the park, I met him at, and I believed the lies, you know, control, control, control. And then I was gonna marry him. I told my mom at the time, so what do you think? One opportunity time. What do you think, be honest with me. Uh, My, this is about codependence, you know what I mean? What do you think? She goes, I think you're making a mistake. It's the worst thing you could ever do. And I don't think you should do it. And I said, all right, and we went and got married. And, um, so began, you know, and, uh, he put his hands on me one time when I was pregnant with my 23 year old and, uh, you think that I had never had anybody put their hands on me before, you know, and, oh, I should have left. We weren't married yet even. And, um, something in the psyche says, I got to train this guy not to do that ever again. I'm going to create a situation that's been done to me. I'm going to create a situation and change the outcome. I didn't make that thought. I didn't have that rational thought, but somewhere in my psyche, and I learned this in the steps, somewhere in my psyche that told me, let me recreate what had been done to me many times, many times, my, many times by mommy dearest, and change changed the outcome because I can't show defeat. I was told not to do it. You know, I'll show her. And everything I did to him was at her. Everything I did to him was at her. And um, yet when things would hit the fan every Christmas and things would hit the fan every Thanksgiving and things would hit the fan every birthday party because I don't do well when I'm high and I'm coming down and have to perform. So when the come down would hit, I'd pack the kids and we'd roll and they'd hear a certain tone of my voice. They'd grab their favorite toy and we went to mom's house, the one that said, don't do it. And I would say, he's so this and he's so that and I created an environment which is children and he, them, the children, everybody believed he was the enemy. You know, and I share that to say this, like, look, the steps saved my life. That fourth step let me vomit. And that fifth step said, you know, I admitted to God first to myself and to my sponsor. And with her help and her guidance, I learned a little bit about my part in it and how that control wasn't working for me. It never has and never will. That there is a power greater than myself. And there was some freedom in that fist up saying like, look, you're right. I did this. And I feel like a piece of crap. And she says, you know what? That little you, let's find out her name. Her name is Gailey, by the way. <laughs> you're perfect just the way you are. You're enough. And I'm sure sh- you're enough. And I'm sure my mom had said it many times. And I'm sure the teacher said it many times. And my friends had said it many times that I was enough. And I was cool. And I was great. Because I was always this. Great smile. Cat answer. You know, and um but there was something in that moment at the fifth step where I was like, what? And now I get to do it with others and there's magic in it. So I take those steps and I incorporate it into my life and there's so much more in it and the layers and the depths, and it's not one and done. I don't arrive and say I'm here. You know, I'll say this and up the last six months. That husband has died. My father died. Mm-hmm a relationship with somebody where my codependent behavior stepped in and I tried to teach him how to not be high for nine and a half years. That ended. And now I'm living in the home that my parents raised me in that I never thought that I'd ever have a key to again. And I own it. Man, the tables have turned and it's got power greater than myself. And I keep coming back and I share the best I can. And I try to be examples with children. I have a child that's learning her psychology degree so she can teach herself how to not feel the things she felt. <laughs> I have a 23 year old bless her heart that just does so great with what she's got. And she soaks it in and she listens and she tries to be the better version of herself. Thanks to this program. And I have an eight year old never seen me download it, and the chaotic behavior codependency comes in at little bits and I get to reset every day. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And for step six, we have from Overeaters Anonymous Terry L. My name is Terry. I'm a
12: professor of right. This is uh, you guys are sitting in uh, our room, our Overeaters Anonymous room. Uh, We're part of the, we're the inner and in Yugo Valley, Ellen Empire, Readers Anonymous. So thank you for being here. If any of you have an interest in our particular program, I bought four of these. Newcomer package, you're welcome to take one with you. Okay. Today's a good day to live. You know, I have to remind myself every single day to get down to that. Today's a good day to live. You know, I, um, I took the sixth step to talk about because all the other steps were taken. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> so I brought my pen along with me that says, Sometimes I wrestle with my demons and sometimes we just snuggle. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I like my character defects. I don't really want to give them away. But um, I feel like I have been in a rock tumbler here for the past seven years. And all my rough edges have been sloughed off by will willingness to give away those those character traits. Good things, bad things that have morphed into something that don't serve me anymore. I remember, <clears throat> probably about year three in my uh, program of recovery, feeling like a a large hole was in the middle of me that wind flew in and flowed in and out of. You know, they talk about these steps as a program of uh, ego, ego just ego diminishment. And I thought, without my ego, what am I? If I keep giving these things away, what am I? What is gonna be left when I get to the center of the earth? So, you know, I was taking a look at some of our books as you know, the big book I think has like one sentence, right? <laughs> Take a look at your bad things and give away to God, and uh, you know, like like the steps. It's pretty darn easy to say, and it's a little bit more challenging to do. A lot of it for me is fear. You know, fear is like the overarching thing. Even to identify a character defect makes fear rise in me. Mm -hmm. I've learned to identify what fear feels like in my body. Fear feels like this pounding right here. Fear feels like tightness in my neck. As a compulsive overeater, Mm -hmm. fear feels like hunger to me Mm -hmm. too. Um, So to be able to identify fear when I'm facing it isn't part of the thing about step six. Take a look at that fear. know that you can feel it in your body and you will live. Seek that source of spirituality. You know many say they, they choose to call it God or the or whatever <coughs> your sponsor of the literature. Wherever you were traveling in the first five steps, seek that source as well. Because personally, I think taking a look at yourself is probably one of the hardest things in the 12 steps. It is extremely difficult. But you know what? Just identifying it does not mean you have to give it away. (laughs) Right? And I think you give it away to the level that you're able to. You're always gonna revisit this step. Initially, it's easy to peel away the outside layers of the onion. For me, there was always a fear that once I started peeling away the layers, there was nothing on the inside, but You know, I I think I'm a more loving, kind person now. Um, And it is a result of that. So don't be afraid of what's at the center of the onion. Don't be afraid to look at it. You give it away when you want to give it away. You look at it. I love you, sweetheart. Say that to yourself. Be kind and gentle.
1: Mm-hmm.
12: Say that to yourself. I love you. I don't care what's at the center of the end. I love you. Pull down the mirror in your car, your rear view mirror and say, "I love you Terry. Put your name to fill in the blank. So I thought that I might, Oh, no, she does not get a tissue until her nose drips, according to (laughs) 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 (laughs)
2: Kahn.
12: You cried to your heart's delight. I cried buckets of tears when I got to this room. Now I allow myself. I'd like to close with this. In step six, and this is from Voices of Recovery. In step six, I use love, insight, and vision to release my current identity and self-image and open myself to further growth and recovery. I remember my ideals and dreams, and I pay attention to them. The sixth step is not about being controlled or coerced toward perfection, as my disease would have me believe. Rather, I prepare to become lighter, more fully me, more fully aware, and living in my heart's desire. I envision a new self, with the intention of letting my higher power and my experiences bring me closer to who I really am. While this is, at time, a gradual and contemplated process, I am also in the sixth step. Anytime I approach my life with openness of what the moment may show me. I love you all.
2: Thank you. Okay, so
4: we're gonna take this opportunity right now. Dara's gonna come up, and we'll take the opportunity to uh, do the seven tradition. So this year, um, typically for these workshops, um, you know, we I typically we charge like a fee or whatever but it's always open but however this year i decided to just have this year full of just recovery especially from the pandemic so um we're just going to pass the basket and then you know just let it be back and then also for zoomers um our uh Online, there's also we'll post up the Seven Traditions possible ways of um, donating to Seven Traditions online. Um, we have Zelle, PayPal, and, and uh, other So let's do. So that will be posted on the chat. Okay
2: you just this I want to Also, let me just say for the zoomers. You see on, I'm sharing right now the Mm -hmm. OASGDIE.org website. Just type that in and that'll bring you to our website. And you can see when our meetings are. We've got podcasts on there. And then if you want to contribute, there's treasurer contribution. And then over here, donate PayPal or whatever you like. And then (laughs) just give lots (laughs) and lots of money.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys hear, Lads There, (laughs) he's trying to walk you
2: guys through. Do you
1: mm-hmm. guys want to talk I can move over there. I think,
4: mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Gail was mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. No, we'll have to have over here. We'll just have you sit at the edge of the mm-hmm.
2: area. Okay. So there it is. Or we'll have a good example. Yes.
4: You all there I said um not pass a basket thank you,
2: thank you. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> 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 Are you okay, Maria?
10: Yeah.
2: Okay,
10: oh,
1: cool. Can All right, can you take these?
4: Okay, so let's start off with the serenity prayer to get us. We um, um, adjust it back
2: again to our workshop. With you. So just take one breath. God, God, I am in the
6: serenity
1: to accept the
2: things that I cannot
1: change, the courage to change the
6: things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now
0: uh, we are on step seven. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcut. And for step seven, we have from Marijuana Anonymous, Evan R.
14: Hi, hi, my name is Evan, marijuana addict. I'm also an OA2. Uh god willing next march i'll have five years in ma and two years in oa which is thanks for organizing it also thanks for Lorraine, she uh referred me to the program uh, to come and speak here so it is a blessing i chose step seven for a reason um because it's one of those steps to me that it has a lot of power right but it's not something that happens automatically and also like I've, i learned from the big book and originally there was only six steps in the oxford group and that those seven was not in it so it's essentially added for a very specific reason Uh, for me when i looked down the steps my my first experience in 12 step i was like no 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 okay i like that one like I'm i'm ready to get rid of all my defects of character but at that time i just thought it was smoking weed every day all day showing up late binge eating at night, being lazy, which if I really look at it, there's a lot of, those are a lot of selfish defects of character. And I believe personally, like I would ask God, but it'd be more like a barter system. It's like, all right, I'll stop smoking weed if you give me my life back, give me some money, uh, give me more friends. Me, it, was, it was a bartering system. And as I learned, when I actually took away marijuana and food, I was left with just my raw self. I was like oh, all these feelings, all the trauma, mm-hmm. all the mistakes that I made, and a hard part for with me was I still had my defects of character that I blamed on smoking Like I wasn't late because I was high; I just was lazy. You know, it's like I wasn't. You know, I wasn't like I was. This is a big one for me. I wasn't binge eating because I had the munchies. Like I was also a compulsive reader; I had no idea. Um, and so once I stopped, yeah, no, it's true. But when I stopped, I was like, it's really, really uncomfortable. And I would pray for those ones first, the big ones. I want to be sober, right? I want to be healthy, I want to be abstinent. And then all of a sudden, as you go through the program more, you start to uncover like, oh, like, I want to be more giving to people. I want to say I love you. I want to be present for relationships. And as I've continued in my program, the defects of character, I guess they get less egregious. Like, it's like, you know, now I'm working on like, I want to make sure that I feel important. I want to make sure I actually go out and help people. But in this baseline root, there's these other ones: fear, self-centeredness, selfishness, judgment. And those ones kind of stay. Like it's it's kind of like a thing where you you ask God to remove them, and He'll remove like. little tiny bit and then you ask him again a little bit more it's it's like ongoing process where to me the step kind of seemed finalized like i'll ask god once scared of all my fear i'll never be scared again i'm good to go it doesn't work like that and honestly i don't think it could work like that because i think if god just took all of my fear away then it's like you might try something super reckless or think you don't need the program but when i was thinking about this i was like you know if i was new and i was talking to myself i'd be like don't rush like don't get out the self-flagellating like stick and say oh my everything i am is a defective character my whole life because that's kind of what i was when i was new i was like very much like i'm a failure i'm terrible um i'm at 12 step that's the bottom of the barrel for me like i did not i was i didn't got i I, it, I came on my own volition but i did not So I was like, you know, just take time. There's a reason that it's after four, five, six, and seven. There's a reason that you work with someone. There's a reason that you get a higher power. Um, And if you don't ask yourself, like it's not something you can do on your own. (laughs)
1: That
14: was a, that was a big one for me. Um, But this step does have a prayer. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the prayer. Um, It's also a very short piece in the big book. She had mentioned step six, like a set, uh, uh, a sentence. Step seven is like two sentences, but I do want to read the prayer for you guys. It's a, my, some of you might know my creator i'm now willing that you should have all of me good and bad i pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my use use usefulness to you and my fellows grant me strength as i go out here to do your bidding um, so just real quick yeah but like this prayer to me like when I thought of removing my defects character, I did not think of usefulness to my fellows. I was like, all of whatever defects hold me back from getting what I want, the more that I work in a the program, the, the less that's like. Like I'm not like perfectly altruistic and like going out, but I definitely go way more in my way to help people. And though take enjoyment in it. It's not like oh, I have to do this because otherwise I'll relapse. It's like, I actually want to do that. I want to participate. Um, And another one here is, and this is a big one for me, it's like the strength. It's like, for my power, like, I need strength to remove some of these defects of character because when I do, what's left? You know, if I get rid of my selfishness, like, well, what do I do? Like, what do I do all day? Like, well, how do I take action there? And for, like, people who are still, like, if I was engaging in substance, like, okay, you take away my only coping skill, smoking or eating, like, what's left i don't have any focus skills you know i need strength i'm going to to build things and for me my higher power from like asking him to remove something there's this asking back of like well then you're going to have to do certain things you know it's like you really want to get rid of selfishness but you're going to have to actually go out of your way to help people it's like you actually want to get sober we're going to have to do certain things you have to go through these steps you know you're going to to show up talk to people you know say goodbye say hi say i love you. feel anxiety, feel fear, feel depression, and not just go straight to whatever it is that gets me high, you know? That was my thing. So with that, thank you guys so much. Uh, I'm at the next <laughs> Thank
0: you. great. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. For step eight, we have sex and robotics Anonymous. Rachel on Zoom. She not on. She should be on because I told her at one. Oops, excuse
4: me. <laughs>
2: No. No, <laughs> 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 she be calling in my phone.
4: I told her at one. We're running a little early, so um,
2: Rachel, are you there? Yeah, mm-hmm. Rachel, are you one of the phone callers? Mm-hmm. Did you get afraid? break?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Let me text her
1: real
2: quick. Yes. <laughs> I guess it's important to be just a little bit. it's is what happens
5: with Zoom. <laughs>
4: oh she's on her way she's on her way we're a little early so everybody was so phenomenal you guys are all on time wow (laughs) and so um but she's on her way
2: Mm
1: I have so many
2: my but I feel like I'm trying to keep it like this. Okay. I Yeah, no
12: I think Rachel's joining with us. Thank you, Tori.
2: Rachel. Yay. Okay, Rachel, uh, would you like to unmute yourself and share? <laughs>
7: Just in time, huh? Yay. Hi. Is someone is someone timing? Yes, you have six
4: minutes, Rachel.
7: Okay, beautiful. Will I get a one-minute warning or just like the end The end?
4: We can do a five and a one if you want. I could do that.
7: Yeah, that'd be amazing. Thank you so much. <sighs> My name is Rachel, and I am a sex and love addict. Um, I am really grateful to be here. <laughs> Sorry, I just... Um, got here at the very last minute and, um, (sighs) I'm so grateful to the rooms of recovery. I'm so grateful to people who re-envision recovery, who bring us, who bring us together, you know, um, across, across addictions, right? Because I'm cross addicted for sure you know, and um, I'm here to talk about step eight, right? Um, Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And um, this is a step that I've done uh, in a couple programs and really imperfectly. um, The first important thing that I got to ask myself about this is, is what was the harm? You know, what was the harm? And, um, you know, when I, when I made my list, me, Rachel, I am at the top of that list. In my addiction, I harmed myself constantly. I, I endangered myself. I abandoned myself. I neglected myself. I criticized myself. You know, I, I devalued myself, and um, and so I'm I'm at the top of that list, and. <sighs> And it's a beautiful spiritual unfolding, you know, the becoming, right? The becoming in God's time. I, I got to lean into the surrender of that. And I can lean into the surrender of that, you know, each and every day of my life, right? Like, am I willing, am I willing to make amends? Am I willing to take radical responsibility for the ways in which I've harmed myself? you know, and, um, am I, am I willing to, to go forth in a living amends to myself? And, um, an important part of my program is sober dating, um, social, emotional, and sexual anorexia is not to be confused with recovery in my program. And I find that like sober dating means following a dating plan, a dating plan that I came up with, with the support of my sponsor, with the support of my peers. I didn't have to come up with it alone, right? But it's a, something that helps me find God's will for me and live God's will for me. And I can tell you with clarity that living God's will for me means choosing myself Being gentle with myself, listening to myself, valuing myself, it means not people-pleasing. For me, no exaggeration, people-pleasing is deadly for me. Um, In the name of people-pleasing, I have endangered myself and caused myself tremendous harm, right? To please someone else, to get them to like me because I didn't have any abiding sense of self-worth within myself, you know? And you know, also on the list are, are people who harmed me, right? Like um, my family of origin, I'm, I come from people who are not in a program of recovery. You know, I, my family of origin has the tools that they have, right? In this eighth step, um, the invitation is to put them on the list, right? Like when when I point my finger at someone else, there are three fingers pointing right back at me, you know? Um, so this step helps me, Ooh, was that a minute? Uh, yeah, one minute left. Thank you so much. Um invites me to take radical responsibility for my life and, and step into a partnership with my higher power. And I love talking about the steps and I love talking about this step. And I love talking about higher power. I'm in a partnership with a power greater than myself today. And, um, One day at a time, I get to practice showing up, showing up in that relationship as a sober woman, as a woman growing spiritually. In fact, you know, sober dating in my program is a chance to grow spiritually. That is the whole point, right? Like the cash and prizes are not like, I did it. I got a relationship. It's that, did I grow spiritually? Did I make a different choice that I did once before? Did I, did I try something new? Um, You know, did I have a new experience? Um, So there's a tremendous amount of freedom available to me in step eight, because I get to choose myself. I get to choose freedom and, and I don't have to do it perfectly, but if I, I do the daily practice of showing like, what am I showing up in service of today? I'm in, I'm showing up in service of my higher power. I'm showing up in service of my recovery and what a blessing, you know, I get to give it away so that I can keep it. So, um, just thank you so much for inviting me to be here and for the chance to talk about this step and be here with you. If only for a few moments on this, beautiful, sunny day, (laughs) and and sending you all so much love and blessings. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Now we're at step nine. Make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And from Pills Anonymous, we have Jim.
15: Jim, i'm a pill addict Hi, i'm also a sex addict sex addicts anonymous and uh sexaholics anonymous i got sober in that program i started there in 1990 uh, but pills anonymous i've been there for four and a half years and uh step nine the uh, you know the, the speaker before mentioned amends to self and the big ones for me were for my pills, because um, I have lots of wreckage from my other programs, lots of work that I've been doing since 1987 when I got sober in AA. Um, is uh, But with my my wife, she had never seen me drink, but I had uh, thought, you know, I was really struggling to focus on my work and I was um, uh Thought I was some sort of maybe ADHD. I don't know. I was talking to my therapist. Of course, now I'm an addict. So my therapist recommended, or mm-hmm. or maybe maybe she didn't recommend. Maybe I brought this up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something about uh, maybe Ritalin or something.
1: <laughs>
15: yeah. And so, uh, uh, so you know, I got you know, followed to you know. And a lot of us pill people are you know through the doctor. You know. Yeah. And um, so, you know, psychiatrists, uh, prescribed uh, Ritalin, started off with the smallest dose, you know, and maybe that first year or so, I was pretty good. Uh, You know, basically the the main abuse for my wife, step nine, the harm, and for myself, um, would be that when when I start, like maybe after the first year, because I I lasted two years and then I just couldn't do it anymore, uh, basically was I run, you run out. You run out. You see, there's a prescription for 30 days. And if you run out in 20 days, well, you're freaking out. Damn it. And uh and, it, and what and the amends of myself, the biggest amends of myself probably was that because I've been steeped in recovery since 1987, I was gonna die. Hit a good solid bottom, surrendered. Um, that the probably the biggest thing was that uh, you know, I believe in working the steps and living my my life through God's grace. And I, I want to live in recovery. And the pills slowly started taking that. It's like, why would you need a step? You got a pill, man. It's much more efficient. You know, a pill. Right. And then you know one pill worked, well, maybe a couple, you know? And so slowly that thing got, so I run out of pills and then I, I'm going to run out. So I got to give it to my wife. And here's where some of the abuse goes. Give it to the wife and then and then a few days later want them back. Right? Yeah. And then she, and then also that's one. And the other one is my wife calls Ritalin Rita because Rita was uh, becoming my higher power, my girlfriend. Because for me, being an addict, an ACA, an addict, a sex addict, a food addict, all the addicts, um, serious abuse um, is, I don't really trust people that well. Pills are good, food is nice. So the idea of a a pill that's working that well, um, leaving the wife behind, because, you know, I got a pill, I'm going to take my Ritalin. And I was working, I was freaking working on a journal article. Once I got sober, I didn't even think about that journal article. So I was like, all into writing this journal article and, and, you know, doing my work for my, my job and my wife was like left behind, like she, and so she'd be there with me. And, and then I'd be going out in the garage, maybe drinking some monster on top of this, and then, uh, um, you know, two triple venti lattes, a couple of monsters and, and oh, abusing the Ritalin, you know? And, uh, and, and then at the end, it was like, um, I'm not even getting high. I wasn't even doing my work. I was actually acting out sexually. <laughs> that, that's what that led that was, you know, it's kind of like a crystal meth person, right? You know yeah. the the meth is for the second. I, I didn't do that at the beginning, but at the end, that's where I was. Yeah. So just my wife watching me like I watched my father deteriorate and become not so unpredictable but disconnected. Yeah. okay? And so um so the big immense to my wife, and I asked her before I came to this meeting, I said, honey, because you know she's the my daughters didn't even know, but maybe because the strain in my marriage, spread on to my daughters who were probably like 16 and 20 at that time um so the big and i asked her have i made amends you sweetie like that now you know this is four and a half years later and she's like yes i love you so much so i'm like all right, right. Um, but but the, the big amends was you know because i had already made amends or i've been in so many programs and got to the ninth step so many times there's a certain point where you go i'm sorry and then you fucking keep doing it again
1: yeah
15: probably ain't that great so the first big amends and it says in our and this is probably our pills anonymous book and it says in our book, the idea of uh, working your program, taking this program seriously, pills anonymous, seriously. And so one of the biggest demands besides I did sit down with her and tell her, I'm sorry for the disconnection, the pill use, the lies, you know, the hiding, uh, the putting you in a bad position like this um, in terms of like you know holding the pills don't hold the pills and like, I don't want the pill you know why you getting my pill you know this kind of craziness, um, put, putting her in that position. But then the main thing has been a living amends for me, which is one day at a time. um, I, you know, obviously I don't take the pills. I I go to my program. I go to Pills Anonymous. I have a sponsor in Pills Anonymous. I work through all 12 steps in Pills Anonymous, which I've been, you know, I have done that in many programs. In Pills Anonymous, you have... The step, and then at the end of the step, you have a couple of stories, and then there's questions at the end. And my sponsor had me answer the questions and read it with him. And so that's kind of the process of my recovery. I I, I take it seriously. I sponsor people in Pills Anonymous. I'm I'm staying connected. It's easy for an addict like me to think Pills Anonymous is a freaking joke, okay? Because i was functioning man um not actually i wasn't at the end very well but um (laughs) but compared to where i was when i got sober in AA in 87 i was like freaking superhero (laughs) yeah
1: um
15: so but but the idea of taking it seriously because i am powerless over pills and uh i did harm my wife and myself and uh, my daughters indirectly and so i've been just working my my program (laughs) um, between now and then. And, um, the main thing is to keep working on connecting with my wife because that's, that's the opposite of the pills. So, and that is not a, you know, that's step six and seven, that's steps one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's working these steps. Let's keep working on it because my natural state, I don't need pills to disconnect. From my wife or from anyone. I, I really the I call you, I am a, I call you people humans. Okay. And this is like humans, like what the humans? What the fuck? You could eat, you could use pills, you could why would you want to talk to a human? You know, you know it's like codependence anonymous. The only requirement for membership is the desire to have healthy and loving relationships. Oh my gosh, why would you do that? Yeah, so, so this idea of really t- making an effort to put my head pops out of my ass, you hear that sound, pop. And then I reach back out to my wife. Act as if I'm a kind and loving husband. Keep doing that. Keep coming back to that. And by the grace of God, like I said, I asked my wife today, and this isn't always true, but I picked her on a good day. She's, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I totally love you. You've made amends. You're great. You know, like
1: that.
15: <laughs> so, anyways, thanks for being be here. Hi, I'm on a meeting. I'm on a
10: meeting.
6: Okay. I'll close the door. Did you bring me lunch?
0: Okay, step 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And for step 10, we have from Alanon Gora.
6: Hello, everybody, I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon, and the sharing has been wonderful, just wonderful. Thank everybody. Um, I've been around Al-Anon now, September will be 39 years, and um, the reason I'll just go a little bit over, but why I came was to get my ex-husband off of uh, alcohol and drugs, And instead of me, they kept saying, how are you doing? And instead of uh, me trying to fix him, I got myself fixed. I'm in another 12-step program. And uh, to me, it's interesting how I found me in this program. Um, I thought I had self-esteem, but until I really started working the steps, with my sponsor and seeing my part on things because I had the hee hee it was all him it was not mm-hmm. I had nothing wrong with me and it's amazing what I found out <laughs> uh step 10 continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it that one was really a hard one because I didn't want to look at my part but Throughout the years, I've learned now, I don't even have to do it. I can hear, if I get it in my gut, that something is not right, that's when I have to make my amends. Um, and that's really a gift because I wasn't willing to look at anything in my part at all. Um, I'm also an Overeaters Anonymous. And for me, I need both programs. The reason why I ate was because I didn't know I was partless over people, places, and things. I do not have an alcoholic in my life today, but my thinking has been distorted. And that's why I keep coming back to this program. Um, My self-esteem, I now know that no is a complete sentence. Um, I've learned how to take care of myself. My exception was my knight in shining armor. And he definitely he was not. Unfortunately, he never got recovery and he passed away two years ago. Um, I am going to read this. It says, "Since in the Courage to Change book, since the 10th step is part of my daily routine, I try to think of it as a gentle, warm, and loving way to take care of myself. By continuing to take my own inventory and promptly admitting when I was wrong, I clear out many unwanted attitudes that might otherwise clutter my day. This step has helped me to learn that living one day at a time involves more than pulling my attendees back with the fears about the future, but also means leaving yesterday's baggage in the past. Each day, I ask myself in carrying this ex- extra weight will be in any now and walk away from an unwanted negativity and lightness of the spirit. Today's reminder. On this new day, let me quickly reflect and search out any negative feelings that are left over from yesterday. Old resentments will interfere with my serenity today. Perhaps it is time to let them go. Each day, each new moment can be an opportunity to clear the air and start again fresh and free. And that's why, you know, it's so important for me when um, I'm feeling discontent that I need to look and see what my behavior is. Uh, I talked to uh, one of my sponsors this morning and she has this form, which I never heard of and she's uh, my OA sponsor, and she has a form that her sponsor gave her, feelings of negativity, you put down all that, and then your positive things of what you do. She does it every night, and I thought, oh, okay, I'm just so glad that I'm still teachable, so I'm going to start doing that. Um, You know, to me, I have to keep my side of the street clean, I want to have peace and serenity in my life today. I don't like chaos. I don't like arguing. I just want to be happy, joyous, and free. And for me, that's why I go to Al-Anon to remind me that my thinking has been distorted by this disease of alcoholism and addiction. Uh, for me, it's... Um, It has helped me so much to have a wonderful relationship with my family. Uh, Nobody in my family has gotten recovery except for me, but I believe. And it's amazing how the kids will say things back to me. Uh, (laughs) uh, There's different slogans. Mom, what about one day at a time? You know, I'm like, oh, (laughs) or uh, mom, keep it simple. You know, I'm just like, so, you know, I really believe all it takes is one person to be in recovery and it can affect the whole family mm-hmm. because my kids were brought up in this disease. And, uh, you know, I now have, I have three children, they're all married and I have seven grandchildren and it's interesting because I took one of my children with me when she was around six to one of my meetings. And she said, I really like those meetings. Uh-huh. And I thought, Oh, Never had any of my grandchildren say that. Uh, But to me, it's so important to stay current, to always see my side of the street. And uh, I know for myself, I'm not gonna graduate from these 12-step programs. They have given me a life that I never thought I would ever have in my life. And I know for me, the older that I get, I need you guys more and more and more And uh, the one thing is I stay close to my higher power I choose to call God. He knows what I need even before I need it. And I'm so grateful you guys are here. I want to thank uh, Mai and uh, Daryl for doing this. And I love all you guys. And Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Thank Thank you. Thank you.
0: And now, we have step 11 who sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And for step 11, we have from compulsive meters, anonymous, how, CEA, Howe, Richard C.
2: Uh, it's, I've
16: been... Uh participated over the years a number of times thank you thanks for asking me Daryl um, so a really very cool thing you know there's all kinds of permutations of <coughs> recovery and all kind of subterfuges that I get to hear about and reminded of that I can practice and there's all kind of avoidances um, I came into the rooms um, 40 years ago um, beloved shrink, uh dr arthur robbins uh, on barham he could tell my weight went up and down emotionally you know i did give five years of therapy and uh but he said you know i was looking for some kind of a set of tools that would i could practice mental hygiene with instead of being shrunk And i I use shrinking shrinking has helped me i grew up in a family a loving family that was violent and chaotic and, uh, <laughs> you know, big surprise and um, we're creative, obsessive, nuts, intelligent, destructive, mm-hmm. all of the above, you know, and it's, uh, but he said, you probably could benefit from Al-Anon tools in OA. And at that time I started with OA and uh, ultimately came to how, they all work as like eight food programs. They all work if you work them. There's variations in them all, but they all, based on the same 12 steps and 12 traditions. I have 22 years and 10 months of recovery. And I maintain an 80, over 85-pound weight oh. loss sustained for the spirit. Right. Okay. I don't feel perfect. Um, step 11, yeah, I saw through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God or higher power, as I understood it, him, she, whatever. Uh, praying for the knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out. Um, I wanted to read the two paragraphs at the, I didn't give you any time bracketing either, but maybe you can tell me at three minutes at the end, please. Um, the last two paragraphs in the, the long form, it said, all of this should be very encouraging news for those who recoil from prayer because they don't believe in it, or because they feel themselves cut off from God's help and direction. All of us, without exception, pass through times when we can pray only with the greatest exertion of will. Occasionally, we go even further than this. We are seized with a rebellion so sickening that we simply won't pray. When these things happen, we should think not too ill of ourselves. You know, Bill W. was wonderful and generous because he struggled A fucking monstrous ego.
0: And he had to keep reigning and surrendering that
16: fucking ego. Excuse me. but he was generous. He understood the way this dynamic works. <clears throat> we should simply resume prayer as soon as we can, doing what we can, know that doing what we know to be good for us, perhaps one of the greatest rewards of meditation and prayer is a sense of belonging. I've become attached in a constructive, loving way to the world, to a higher power, to you, to the fellowship. We no longer live in a completely hostile world I don't wait for things coming at me sideways. I don't anticipate, you know, the way a hypervigilant person does. It's like, you know, they're going to come mow me down. You know, I don't have to see it and engage, you know, the the worst possible catastrophizing. Mm. Um, Where I'm no longer, we're no longer lost in frightened and purposelessness or rudderlessness. The moment we catch even a glimpse of God's will. The moment we begin to see truth, justice, and love as the real and eternal things in life, we, no longer de- we are no longer deeply disturbed by all the seeming evidence of the contrary that surrounds us in purely human affairs. We know that God lovingly watches over us. We know that when we turn to him, he, she, it, whatever, all, all will be well with us here and hereafter. Um, so I've on this journey for a long time. So his last three years have been especially interesting because I lost my husband for 33 years. And uh, he passed away, it'll be three years in February um, next year. And um, here's a gift of recovery. We met at a, his sponsor's West Hollywood OA birthday party in 1986. We both had a covenant of recovery. He had 40 years of sobriety. Mm-hmm. And he had 20 years of food recovery. And we did O A together, and we did How together, and I've you know continued now three years out, um, nearly three years. Out. But um, the prayer and meditation has been especially important for me this last three years. And there's lots of little apps, there's wonderful little daily things you can do and you can subscribe to, um, and uh, I use one a lot, like a couple times a day, and. God pings me. In my prayer meditation exercise, God pings me. And God's been pinging me forever, the last 40 years in some way. I get pinged and I go that little, "Mm." because do this, don't do that. Ignore that, that's not important, do this. Ted ran the books for the household, he did the money. And um, I had to learn to do the money. I had to deal with a lot of fear. and I'm still here. I didn't blow myself up. I still got the house. Um, I'm still uh, um, <laughs> it's like a bookie, oh, it's it's a bookie panel. She <laughs> reminds me of the, uh, the pew, you, you know, uh, little boys at Catholic school with the pew, right? Um, so it's a whole nother program. Uh, is, that, is, that, is
4: that
16: four? got yeah, two more minutes. OK, two more minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I get pinged every day, sometimes multiple times a day by God, and I listen. And then He'll ping harder. God will ping says, "Don't ignore me. Do this. You don't let that go. That's not important. Leave that. From, I'll figure that out later. Let's not do that now." And you know, I've negotiated successfully. And there's been a lot of intuitive stuff that happens when I ping God, prayer meditation, pinging. So, you know, this COVID thing has sucked. It's been really kind of awful. And, but yet there were certain blessings that came out of it for me. I'm a sub teacher, trained as an architect I worked on a space program. I've been a practical artist all my life. I made a living in art and design. I was a sub teacher and I was laid off from my district, like a lot of us were two, you know, almost two years ago. And uh, so I was on unemployment and I kept getting the extensions and God pinged me, he said, pay down your debt. Pay down your debts. Take the extra money and pay down your debts. Raise your credit, raise your credit standing, improve. Be responsible. Right. You know, which is kind of wonderful because, you know, if I'm as flaky as most people, and uh, I have recovery and I weigh and measure most things. But it's like it's a contingent on daily spiritual connection and. You know, it's a good thing. Um, There's intuitive direction that comes when I can tap into the collective unconscious that Freud talked, not Freud, but Jung talked about, that we tap into the great well of the collective unconscious. You know, we had it through our fellowships and through our contact with a higher power. And, you know, it's no mystery that, you know, Ted was a student of Felstead. He used it in the shelter. He operated the first day shelter. he repaired the program, 45 bed recovery from he was a drug and chem depth specialist organizational development masters and the zen guy but he he um just went out of my head the last point but um nothing happens by mistake there is a wellspring of answers if we can get quiet enough in our souls and in our consciousness so we can hear it but usually all of us who use substances, practices, behaviors, people, places, and things, we turn out we turn off God. I'll own that I've turned out God, I turned him off. I didn't want to hear God, but I can hear God today. I don't always like the message, but most of the time I respond and I listen. And uh, you know the conscious contact is important. It's like eating a good meal for nutrition. It's nutrition for my soul to consciousness. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Having had a spiritual
0: experience as a a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And to close us out on the steps, step 12, we have from Alcoholics Anonymous, Butch.
5: And a drug addict. It turns out just about everything you guys are about. <laughs> I've never been to a thing like this, you know. And uh, uh, I remember my first year, I did AA, N A, and C, A, and wherever I could get a chip, because I really liked those chip things, you know, it's like those uh, chips. Uh, and then, well, about the twelve step. Like it says, it says having had a spiritual awakening as the result, we try to carry this message and practice these principles in all our affairs. I was three years sober. I could quote the entire fifth chapter by that time. Uh, in fact, the first year is when I learned all my learnings. I, I, I don't know, I was like a sponge for this, you know. And the big book says it, I believe it, and that settles it, you know, and it was like, okay. Because that was my my answers to the problem. The first thing I had to do was catch the disease alcohols. Uh, I came in the program in 1992, June 30th, and I came here to get another drink. I know I'm the only guy in AA who came to AA to get another drink. Uh, my brother told me, you'd buy me a 40 ouncer if I went to Cider House, you know, and uh, was down to seeds and stems my mom said why don't you call your brother up See so if he can get you into that cider house place I said okay and I called him up and I said hey you still give me a 40-ouncer if I go to cider house he said I'll hook you up uh, <laughs> what happened is I heard what, what we have here what allergy the body which sets off obsession the of mind we said from what's known as the phenomenon of craving and one is too many and a thousand is never enough and that was the day I caught this disease you know and uh because It explained it. My dad used to say, What do you drink like that for? And you act like you're not going to get another drink. You know, my first, week, <laughs> you know, I just found that 16 ounce. This thing hooked me up too. Let's see what we can do with
1: this. <laughs> yeah,
5: uh, I should leave it just all the way down. No, we can't do that. Oh, yeah, all right, so, so what's happening is there we go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. so what happened is, uh, I was three years sober. And I heard it. It says, uh, having had a spiritual awakening as the result, we try to carry this message, and practice these principles in all our affairs. And I'm like, wow! I've never found the principles in the program about of Alcoholics Anonymous in the Big Book. So I went to this guy named Clint Floyd. He had eight years of sobriety. And Clint, where are the, tw- the twelve principles of this program? I know what the how of the program is. You mentioned the how: honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. Or so the who: willingness, open-mindedness, and honesty. And I said, well, I-, I thought those were the principles. He said, no, there's twelve principles by the 12 steps. And he came back with the list and I went, oh my God. And they all made sense. It was, it took me one day to memorize these things because they fit in the exact spot. <laughs> so step one, what we made we're proud of alcohol and our lives become unmanageable. So that's the principle of honesty. We had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were. This is the first step in recovery. So what happens is in step two, we came to believe that the power greater ourselves could restore us to sanity. When I first came here, all I could share about was what it was like, what it was like, and what it was like. <laughs> so it was like all I did, what it was like was insanity. What happens, I lost my wife, my kids, my job, and all my stuff. And, and what it was like now is I don't know what it's like. I've never been sober. I've been drinking since I was uh, 17 years old, and I'm 38 years old now. You know I'm trying to figure out? I'm not 38 years old. Now, <laughs> I was 38 years old, and I don't know what the hell this is all about. But you know what? I, I, I shared what it was like. So I, I was insane. I'm absolutely insane. I'm a, I'm a terrorist. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I, I won't go into it. Um, so that was step two. We came to believe the power of ourselves. So what, what will defeat powerlessness? Well, there's only one thing in the universe that will defeat powerlessness, and that is power. So we came to believe the power of ourselves could restore sanity. So I think I'll turn my will and my life over to that power, which is the principle of faith. You know, I made a decision to turn my will in my life over the care of God as I understood. Jesus Christ is my higher power. I hope I don't offend anybody, but whatever. That's who my God is. <laughs> you know, I didn't come here to become a sober born again Jesus freak, but what I am today is a sober free for Jesus. So, <laughs> uh, so that's my higher power. So so step four is uh, we made a situation experience wrong tour of ourselves. Uh what's the problem with that? It's like there's you know, you're only sick of your secrets, right? So what if there were things in my past, you know, you know, anyways. See, anyways, okay. <laughs> I won't do an inventory up here. I won't I admit to you guys the exact nature of my wrongs, but I was pretty sick. So, uh so that's it. Takes courage to deal with your fears. So, and and uh, that's the principle of the four steps. So, step five, we admitted God to ourselves and know you being the exact nature of our wrongs. You're only sick to your secrets. So I remember when I got rid of that stuff. You know what? I don't have to walk around here like this anymore. No mm-hmm. You know, I don't have no secrets to hide. So, you know what, man? I would walk with my head held die. You know, so step six is where we separate the men from the boys or the women from the girls. And that's the principle of willingness, you know, and uh, uh, this is our defects of character. See, and I had those, you know, I had anger. There's I had five of the seven and I use the seven daily sins, anger, envy, greed, gluttony, sloth, pride and lust. You know, and, and I was Anyways, my anger is uh, I love
1: <laughs>
5: Here's how it goes with me and my anger. See, I my mother's my mother was uh, Charlotte Leoda Smith, born in Texas, wild and reckless, trimmed her toenails and four or five, eight rattlesnakes, dead or alive. Uh, and my dad was the third Madison Wilma. So I got Cherokee, Apache, Comanche, Mexican, Irish, French, German, Swiss, and my grandma, thanks to China, got stuck in the wood pile somewhere along the line. <laughs> so I always knew I was bodily and mentally for my fellows. But see, I was born in 1954 and it wasn't real. Happened a thing to be half a half breed you know that's what it's called half breed beaner taco so what happened is the night i took my first drink i turned from jerry lewis and the nutty professor into buddy love uh, and i know what alcohol does for me you know if i take a drink i'll be smoking somebody stop me you know, I, turn, I turn into the mask i really do uh it's not a good place to be it's the mask of loki which is the god of mistress so we'll get past that stuff so step six i identify with anger Gluttony, pot makes me slothful. Smoke pot is that later. Uh, so anger, gluttony, sloth, lust. I, did, I I did meth for 21 and a half, well, skeed for 21 and a half years.
1: And I do speed
5: I'm a porn star. I am a legend in my own mind. Anyways, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. So anyways, uh, and pride. Pride is what kept me from asking for help.
2: Yeah.
5: Pride is the worst one. And I know what God says. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will be obtain honor. God resists the proud, but he pays heed to the humble. And I had to get humbled by the disease of addiction and alcoholism to lose everything that I thought was precious to me. So I'm only on step six. Huh? So step seven, how many of remove my shortcomings? So step six is what causes me to sin against you and causes me to sin against God. And I believe step seven are my sins that I did. And when he says, I'll take your sins, put them as far as it is in the east, as it is in the west, I'll make them white as wool. But I got to confess, them. so we did that in fifth. The eighth one, he made a list of all persons who harmed K became willing to make to them all. Step eight, uh, brotherly love. You know, and I've done that. You know, and step nine is when the, the promises happen. Someone talked about grandchildren. I at my granddaughter's baby shower yesterday and gonna have my third great grandchild. You know, none of this would have been happening. I'd have been dead. I was 38 years old. I shook like a leaf. I weighed 168 pounds. I was on an overeater and that was bad. Yeah. So uh step 10 is uh we continue to take personal inventory which is perseverance. Step 11 is oh I love step eleven. That's when you mm-hmm. catapult into another dimension. And what I do for that is, is I read the Bible, the basic instructions before leaving earthquake. Because that deals with how what God's will is for me and the power in order to it to carry it out. I love that stuff. I do it every single night. Every night. And uh I, this this has been a great deal. You know, I love the program Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. I did it too, uh, but I just went to the the granddaddy of them all, you know what i like. I said I'm all of you guys. It's, it's like wow. I, I heard I've been taught a lot today. So thanks for letting me. I drink a rock star. Wow, everybody,
1: <laughs>
4: that was so amazing. First off, I want to thank you all of our uh, panel speakers. Let's give them a round of applause. just showing up because all of us i think we all agree that we're all crossed separate somehow some way and we're all brothers and sisters in this fellowship and We're all here just because we want recovery, right? And so, um, but I do want to open up. There is, uh, let's see, there's about 17 of us in there and there's quite a bit of us in here. I do want to open the rooms up for share. So I know the workshop's supposed to end at 2 p.m., but I want to extend it a little bit longer. So we'll close off at 2.15 so we can open the rooms up for you guys to share, for everybody to share. So if anybody wants to share, it's open and we'll do about two to three minute pitches. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So raise your hands. Okay. You yeah. oh. ah, okay. Yeah. So hi, I'm Mai. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Same I'm also a cross 12 stepper. I'm also a love and sex addict. And actually I hit that for a while, especially in the of way because you know, there was other people that said like, you don't understand those love people. They're sick. <laughs> I am sick you know, uh. because of stuff that I've done for love. I mean, I was never monogamous in any my relationship. I carried a relationship with my husband for 17 years. And that was fear. I knew he wasn't the one, but I married him, had three kids. And um, because I didn't want to be alone. You know, and then that 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 itself led me to eat like a maniac. I was two hundred and fifty pounds walking. Couldn't even I could not even walk. I'm sorry, not walking. I couldn't even walk at the end of my you know pregnancy and stuff like that. But it just how fearful this disease was, the addiction was for me. And you know, even in my marriage, I thought um, when I was. I had thought I literally checked off the all the lists, the box of everything, right? I got married, you know, to a guy and, you know, he's great and had a house, there's two kids, stuff like that. And I'm like, good. I was like, I'm happy. I was like still laying on the bottom of my floor, kitchen floor too, like crying, wanting to kill myself. And then that got me, that got me the desperation to come into the room to go away. And that pew right there behind there is where I sat crying and sitting here, standing here, um, I heard my first sponsor speak.
17: Mm-hmm.
4: And she was not... You know, she didn't look nothing like me. She was older, you know, she looked different, everything, you know? And, but yet she was me, you know? And so I sat there and I cried and I was like, I'm ready, you know? And I don't even know who I was talking to at the time. I don't know who God was. You know, I was just talking to somebody, like, help me. And um, that was the beginning of my recovery. Um, that was March 12th of 2016. I came to the rooms of So I did the program for Sisters. However... <laughs> that wasn't the beginning. That was like, that was not the end of it. Like, yeah, I'm clean and sober for my food. That was not the end. I gained and lost so much weight in way because I was still suffering from another disease. And that was my love and sex addiction. And even though I say, I'm not a porn star, by the way, right. <laughs> Cause he says like, we're all, you know, like that joke, but it's not. I was Close. so, <laughs> but I was, I needed love so badly and I was willing to do whatever it took and even in the midst of my relationship with my husband our marriage which was like only four years right four years we got married 2016 after having but um no so married for four years and I was in within those actual three years of committed marriage I was having an emotional affair with someone for three years of that I never saw the person I never even touched them but I was like with this person, like we were together every day on the phone together, he lived in Chicago, you know? But it was like, I was with him, he was like, you know? But um, well, every day of yeah. that, I, I, I ate, I ate like a maniac, because I couldn't, the, the guilt of the hiding, and he was always gone, and all this stuff, my weight gain, and this and that, and my life became crazy again. And then I found myself in the rooms of love, and uh, you know, sloth, and that's where I found recovery and then where it it got me to different places because I therefore came closer to God came closer to stop making these men my God you know because you know and then so when the pandemic happened I remember sitting in my closet and just like this isn't right like my husband's not the right one I need to like do something and that's when the divorce happened and I remember a lot of fellows in this room now I was sitting in my closet crying to them because I just told my husband of like And we were together, like, 10 years before we got married. So I told my husband of 14 years, you know, us being together, that I didn't want to take care of him anymore. Hmm. You know? Because that's what, that was me. Like, my validation, my all my existence was if I took care of somebody. Hmm. If they needed me. If they loved me. Like, if they needed me, then they would love me. They would never leave me. Then if I wouldn't have to eat, everything would be peachy fucking cake. Was it? (laughs) But, um, (laughs) and so you know, that was hard, and I remember a lot of people, in, you know, on Zoom, because of the pandemic, Zoom just always showing up for me, you know, and I did some crazy stuff, I mean, finally, when I broke free from them, I soaked out all different relationships, and then I ended up in a really bad one, and um, in April, 9th, April 9th, like, where something really bad had happened to me, and that's when I really, I walked into rooms of soft, and I really got into there, and I just, like, worked the program, and Then I got, found myself in a different place in program with OA. And it really led me to be here with God and just that relationship. Like I no longer, well, I will take that back. I am practicing at working these steps every single day because I am not God. I'm a human being living my human experience that will always make me fall short. And, but the thing is that I no longer have to beat myself up over it. This everyday living that I have to live I no longer have to pick up food, Men, I mean, I was also a bulimic shopper. I would buy shit, like, on sale. Like, oh, God, it's so good. I got this stuff so good. And then I would turn it, you know? But... I no longer have to do any of these things, and uh, today, I mean, you guys like they're like, oh, where's Maya? At? It's like twelve, like eleven fifty-five, and she's not here yet, you know. And the thing is that, like, I just graduated from yoga teacher training. I'm gonna teach people to do yoga, like, to be peaceful. But like, I'm like, I'm going crazy in my own mind. But like, somehow, some way, God led me to hopefully pass down this different type of thinking and create peace in other people and not through the highs of like working out food shopping men like you know whatever it is you know pills like all of it i drink coffee all the time you know and i'm not i don't need coffee or monsters or rock stars but it's like that's how i feel you know and wow, this gift of recovery is so strong you know and i'm so 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 grateful to be standing here with you guys and all everybody here right now and with just so much love that's pouring out and the gift that bill w gave us through god like for all of us to be here all together in one room and to all just welcome each other like this you know and just be like i was i am you, you were me all of this um, i'm just so blessed to be here to just witness it and just to be of service to bring this together you know and um, and i'm gonna pull this back in <laughs> You know, I know that this started off with Connie with our affirmation workshop and she led, you know, she did this too and, you know, do other things. But like, I feel this is all God working to, you know, just recovery For us to show, for him to show us how much him, she, it, like, to show us how much that we are loved and to forgive ourselves for all of these things and that, you know, there is a better life for us. And I too believe that that I want to be happy, choice, and free, and I'm finally seeing the gifts and the promises. Everything just roll in. Because today I was frantic at 10:55, like 11:55 coming here, but it was like I just graduated yoga teacher training. I'm here, I'm to other people. I'm recovering. I've been binge free since February, um, since August of 2018. I'm sorry, not binge free, purge free of 2018. You know, I have all these miracles happening. You know, so. That's just the gift of these foods, the gift of this recovery. Stuff. but thank you for letting me
2: share. Um, <clears throat> let me just say for the is there if there's someone in here that wants to share, we'll walk on up. But let me give an announcement for the Zoomers. If you'd like to share during this time of pitching, uh, if you go to the reactions button and you click on reactions <laughs> one of the boxes that you can click is the raising your hand and so you can raise your little zoom hand and that, that's how i know that you would like to share. in the meantime is there anyone in the room would like to share
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yes
17: I'm Tori. I'm an alcoholic. What an amazing event. How amazing, right? What a good way to look at the similarities instead of the differences. You know, uh, way to go cross panel with all the spiritual principles and how we can apply these things to our life and and, uh, the things that we do. I'm really grateful to the people that put on the event. I know that it's no small feat to get a bunch of alcoholics or addicts together to try and have one common goal sometimes. Um, It's an an amazing thing to be here and be present for this. Um, I've I've, uh, participated in this event before as a newcomer. I got to do step one, and I remember how scared I was to do step one and be the youngest one in the room and feel like I had so little to say like that I wasn't gonna be able to make an impact or, you know, you always look for that thing that's gonna be that aha or that mind blowing that you can say that helps someone to stay here, you know, and and to get what we have. And I really didn't have anything to give in the beginning, except for the willingness to be here, you know, and uh, to participate in my recovery, which is a huge part of being able to stay here. You know, I really believe that you have to love Being here more than you love being out there and doing the other things, you know, I'm in our in our sponsorship family, we not only sponsor women, but we also sponsor experiences, you know, things that we get to do and we never would have been able to do if if we were out there you know, make commitments, um, show up for the commitments, you know, plan parties and, you know, contribute, everybody contribute, you know, uh, these are the, these are the things and these are the promises that have come true for me as the, uh, the opportunity to have amazing people around me, you know, that I can go to when I'm suffering or when I have problems, you know, not just the, the rooms of, uh, the 12 step programs, but the people that are from those rooms, you know, um, uh, we get to surround ourselves with people with common goals, you know, and have the same um, ideals that we have, or not ideals, but ideas for a new way of living. And uh, what this, this thing has shown me today is just how continually we get to be blessed to live two different lives in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. How amazing is it that you guys are here today, suiting up and showing up for someone else to support someone or to give them the information that they might need to save their life. That's right. Having come from a place of destruction and war path, terrorism. No, <laughs> really. Um, thank you, everybody that participated. Thank you for giving your time. Thank you, everybody on Zoom. You know, thanks, Lance, for making that happen. That is just an amazing thing that you guys have here. It's just, it's such a great setup. Thank you for allowing us to use the room. Terry, thanks for letting us know that this was where we could come to get more recovery. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me share it.
10: Let me go up because my sponsor's giving me the
1: look. (laughs) (laughs)
17: Sorry. Oh, let me trip you up so I can (laughs) get the
10: camera. Come on, Maria. Hi, I'm I am. Well, you know, after listening, I'm like, oh, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm also, yeah, I could identify in any one of these things. At, you know. If I would have known back in the day when I first started this thing that I could have made a dating plan, what is that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That first year in this thing would have made it just so much easier now. Wow. Um, happy happy. <laughs> this is the first time that I've been here to this, um, to this meeting, and I'm just so grateful for all of you, for everybody to, that put it up you know um on uh i think it was on friday i was talking to uh i was talking to tori on the phone and she asked me if i was coming and i told Mm -hmm. her no that i was gonna want i had planned on being one of the zoomers because you know i you know i'm laid up and of course you know it's it's a broken leg and with me it's like i'm dying and i was you know dying on my couch and um So she was like, no, we can get your walker and put it in the back of the truck. And I'm like, no, you don't. I said, I don't want, no, but we can." So I was like, okay. Usually with Tori, it's easier if you just say, okay, I'll go. (laughs) And so I'm here and I am so grateful. So grateful to be here. I mean, I got to hear some of my, you know, amazing friends share, my sponsor, you know, share. And, you know, it brings it all back to like, um, what has been said here that you know we all need each other no matter where we come from we you know whatever the rooms we come from we end up in this amazing spiritual fellowship that you know no matter what where we're at you know everybody shared about a different you know from a different step from a different place but we all understood it because we're all that spiritual That spiritual thing, that thing that gets us and connects us, you know, and it's so amazing, you know, I've heard so many great things today, you know, from all these different steps, you know, when you were speaking about, you know, step 11, I, you know, there was just so many things that just never I had so many, you know, of these amazing aha moments in the first few years of sobriety, and I'm so grateful that I still get them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I get them every single time I come into a meeting because I've always, you know, I've learned from a lot of old timers, you know, always remain teachable, you know, and one of my first meetings that I went to was on the grounds of Cider House. Yeah, and I was, I got to sit there and listen to these, these people with years, you know, in re- of recovery, you know, that just planted that no matter what environment and that no matter what knowledge in my head that you don't, you know, you don't have to go through, you know, anything alone, and no matter what. Whether you know they always say, you know, wife or no wife, car, no car, job or no job, doesn't matter, leg or no leg, you know, (laughs) it's no matter what. You don't have that reason to go out and get loaded or drink or do whatever you, you do because you have somebody that you can rely on and you have people that you can rely on, and you have these rooms that you can rely on. Yeah, and you know, and some of those people, most a lot of those people that I knew from that meeting, I still have them on my phone and I still am able to call them and talk to them because they're still that main part of my family. And they're the ones that brought me into these rooms and they raised me up. You know, they raised me up to, you know, that I was able to at that point where I knew I needed another sponsor and I knew I needed a different direction and sponsorship, they led me to this beautiful woman here, you know, because my my sponsor, you know, had this wild idea to move to Michigan and leave me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's how I felt at the time. But you know, and you know, and God, you know, I always say, you know, God would, could, and what if He were not? And He did, and He did for me when I didn't know how um, how I was going to need her at the time that I needed her. You know, He did it right before I was going to need I was going to need her knowledge. And I was going to need that part of who, you know, who Ivy is. I was going to need that. And, you know, and I grabbed a hold of it just like I do, you know, and I don't do it perfectly. You know, I don't work these steps perfectly. I don't, you know, I'm not the best sponsor in the world. There's times that I don't call her when, you know, I'm like totally all up in here in my head. And, you know, I'm freaking out about something and, you know, somebody in my house will say, well, have you called, you know, have you talked to God? Yes. Well, have you called, you know, Ivy? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then I get on the phone, you know, and I'm like up here and she brings me down. You know, the simplest things. Have you talked to God? What step can you be working right now? You know, these really simple little nuggets. Yeah, and if you're new or fairly new around here, just stay. See, this journey is amazing. You're going to have some shitty days. You're going to have some rotten days, but you're also going to have some amazing days. And and all that, in all your journey, you're going to meet some amazing people that you could stay friends with forever. Because this is more like a family.
2: Anyone else feel led to share to the big group? Okay,
1: then are
2: we ready to close? Okay. All right, everybody.
4: Okay. So once again, <laughs> um, thank you, everybody, for participating. Thank you to our speakers. Thank you to <laughs> the cells for showing up for her. So I don't know if everybody's comfortable or not, but. Would you guys be okay holding hands to say this or any prayer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so let's do that. Right.
0: And we'll close off with
2: semantic prayer. Wash <laughs> your <family>. hands <laughs> more. Oh my God, hold up. I yeah. got <laughs> come,
6: come on, Kay. Come on, Kay. Oh, come on. Baby. Oh, come on, Kaylee. God. God.
1: God. God. God,
13: grab
10: serenity to accept the things I cannot change,
1: the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen.